This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Rabbi, for that eulogy, it's good to have a eulogy while you're alive, trust me. Hashem, thank you, thank you. Truly, truly a good friend. We're going to talk tonight, knowing that Mitz Hashem very soon. I feel like I'm in my sukkah, you know, it's like weird. Okay. Wrong, 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 wrong time of year. But anyway, so. It's very interesting because women don't think they have that much to do with, you know, they think it's a, that, that Yiddishkeit is a man's religion, we don't put on tefillin, we don't go to Minyan, we don't have the mitzvah of tzitzes, yeah, it's, it's run by men, it's, it's all about men, and I talk about this a lot to, specific to the growth of my seminary, wherever I go speak, actually, the Jewish religion is based on women because the mother is what makes a, person, a child Jewish or not Jewish. So the question they ask me is, what's with this bracha, especially in the modern, when I go to speak at modern events with modern women, so they got a very big problem with a sani kirtsono. Like, you guys say, shaloya sani isha, that you thank Hashem that you're not a woman, and we don't get to say shaloya sani ish. You know, they want equal rights. What's this bracha, sani kirtsono? The truth is that it's really just the opposite. The words of Sani Kitsono means that I am the will of God. Thank you, Hashem, bless you, Hashem, that you made me the will of God. Now, with all respect to everybody in this room, and I'm sure you're all today, because there's every one of you. Rav Chaim Kainevsky may be a little bit bigger of a tzaddik than anyone sitting in this room. I think most of us would agree. But if Rav Chaim tomorrow morning makes the bracha, Shersani Kitsono, it is a bracha levatola, and he has to say bracha shenkavu machutzali alamved, and make sure he doesn't make that mistake again. So Rav Chaim Kainevsky can't say I am the will of God. So Chaim Wallerstein definitely cannot say he's the will of God. No Rav, no Tzadik, no Gadol, no Rebbe can say your bracha, and women want to say shalayisani ish. So what is this shasani kitzono? What is the will of God? Are we, you know, and I think, I, I think every woman has to think about at night before she goes to sleep, I made a bracha that I am the will of God, the way I acted today, am I the will of God? That's between you and Hashem. I have nothing to do with that. But that's a very big bracha. And the bracha really is because a woman is the will of Hashem, because Hashem is a creator. And a woman we know is a creator. Children. Hashem is a protector. A woman... Is a protector. She protects even in even in the animal kingdom. The the mother is the one who protects her children, and who nurses the child, the woman. So she's a creator, a nurturer, and a protector. And that is the will of God. A, a, a father, a man, is not a nurturer, uh, or I mean, he's a protector on a certain level. But well, I, I'll tell you that I'm a rebbe for forty three years, forty four years now, forty four years. I'm a teacher. So the reason I, I may not come back to Muncie, but I go to L.A. all the time, is the last time I spoke in L.A. and I said that I'm a Rebbe 43 years, one woman got up and said, you don't even look like you're 43 years old. So I go back to California all the time. But nobody here said that, so I'm, I don't know. We'll see if I come back. Maybe it's the beard. I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, on a serious side, so the woman is, is her position is... To be a protector. We know as teachers 
and I was assistant principal, and now I have two seminaries and a high school, and I talk to my teachers all the time. I'm like, listen to me very carefully. If the mother comes to PTA, you must compliment the child. That has to be your opening statement, and I would advise you not to say anything negative. Now, I learned this the hard way. I taught in Crown Heights Yeshiva Mill Basin, and I taught boys, and there were boys in my class that really misbehaved, and I would tell the mother... Your, your, your kid, I was an 8th grade Rebbe, your, your kid, he just, he just doesn't learn, and he makes trouble all the time, and the mother would look at me and say, it's not my son's fault. If you knew how to teach, this wouldn't be happening. I don't even like the whole yeshiva. I'm going to change yeshivas. But if you tell the father that the boy's not behaving, he's like, I'm going to lock him down, no more sports, I'm taking this away, I'm taking that away. Mothers are protective, don't you? I'm coming to PTA to hear good things about my child. Whatever's not good about my child, I know, I don't need you to tell me, Rabbi. The nature of a woman is that she's a protector. Kodesh Baruch Hu is also a protector. I want to tell you a crazy story, I'm going totally off, but that's my ADD. I, by the way, grew up here in Muncie. Um, I'm a Muncie boy, I went to Shiva Spring Valley, I went to Beishraga. I lived on Locust Hollow Drive. And uh, probably the least chance of being successful, definitely the least chance of ever going into Chinuch, was Zechariah Wallerstein. So this is where I come from. And I think it's very funny that I'm giving a shiria tonight. Because you didn't know me when I was a little boy. Very, very different situation. But it's really what I want to talk about tonight. Because what do they say? The kid that gives you the most agita gives you the most hanah. Okay, there's some people in this room who are still waiting for that to happen, but that's what they say. And I definitely gave my parents the most agita, that's for sure. So, I'm going a little bit, let me go a little bit off, off subject for a moment. So, the mother is very much, she's the protector and she's, she's the Sani Sono. And we see, we see that we're going to learn about Megillah's Rus tonight. And, and, the, and why do we read Megillah's Rus? Why do we read Megillah's Rus on, on, Shavuot, because she became a ger. That's one of the reasons. She, she was makabal the Torah, and therefore we read it on Shavuot. So we're going to ask you a bomb question. Yisro, who has a parsha in the Torah, who is Moshe Rabbeinu's father-in-law, right? We do happen to read part of the parsha because we read that Sarah Sedimros. But like, why don't we read the story of Yisro? Why Rus? What's special about Rus? So, it brings down that if you take Rus's name, the Rish, the Bav, and the Sof, and you add Hey, which he was Makabal Hashem, it spells Torah. Those letters with a Hey spells Torah. So, being that she was Makabal Hashem, and her name is Rus, it spells Torah. So, I remember learning this, and I raised my hand. I'm not going to tell you what my Rebbe did to me, but I said to him, one second, so if her name was Miriam, we wouldn't read it? Because it happened to be her name was Rus, with a hey, like let's say she was the great grandmother of David Melech and Mashiach, but her name was Miriam. Out the door? Just because her name was Rus? Okay. Wallstein, we'll see you tomorrow. Anyway, so really, why do we read Rus? The greatest chizuk for anyone in this room and anyone listening to this shir is understanding that she came from the worst place humanly possible the girl that wasn't the valedictorian the girl that wasn't even Jewish 
and she is called Aim Hamalchus, the mother of oil royalty in Kleistro, David Hamelech's great grandmother, Mashiach's great great grandmother. Was she valedictorian based Yaakov based Rachel? No. She came from a terrible place, probably the most terrible place a person can come from. Who was her great 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 grandmother? Her great 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 grandmother was Lot's daughter. When Lot ran away from Sodom with his daughter, daughters, the daughters thought that the world was destroyed. When they looked out of the cave, everything in the valley was burning. So they thought the only people alive is the two of them and their father. That's it. The world's gone. How's the world going to continue? They're going to have to get their father drunk and commit incest. They got their father drunk. They were with their father that night. And she became pregnant, the oldest daughter of Lot from incest, and called her child Moav. Moav means Me'abasheli, from my father. Imagine he goes to school, he's like, what's your name? Um, well, I'm sort of like from my mother and my grandfather. I don't think any yeshiva would have accepted such a person. She came... From incest. And she called, she called her child Moab, and it's very interesting. Somebody's getting a phone call. I don't know who it is, but someone's getting a phone call. Um, that's fine. And you want me to answer it? Oh, okay. Oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a smartphone. I don't answer smartphones. I only have the flip phone. I have the Nebuch phone. But anyway, it's not, it's not a technology speech tonight. So now, listen to this. The Jews are leaving Mitzrayim and they're coming past the country of Moab. And they're hungry and they're thirsty. And they ask them, could we get some bread and water? And Moab says, no. We're not giving you anything. And the Jews say, what are you talking about? You come from Lot. And Avram Avinu, our father, Lot was his nephew, so they're our cousins, Moab's our cousins, Avram Avinu went against the four kings with Eliezer and saved Lot from being killed. So you owe us a favor. Where's I told there would be no Moab, there was no Lot, and there'd be no Lot if there was no Avram. You owe us a Karsatov. And Moab said, no. So the Torah says, they're very important, I talk about it all the time, the Torah says, a nation that doesn't have Hakar Satov, that doesn't have gratitude, that spiritual DNA, Hashem said, I do not want in my nation. They cannot intermarry. By Hashem, Hakar Satov is the essential of the relationship that a person has with God. If you are a Kafri Tov, He is not interested in you at all. Where do we see this? By Adam. When Hashem said to Adam, Who gave you to eat from the tree? Adam should have said, My beautiful 
amazing wife. And if he would have said that, he would have not been punished. But what Adam said was, you want to know who gave me from the tree? The woman that you, you gave me. And Rashi says that at that point, Hashem said, you're a kafli tov, you were lonely, you wanted a partner, I gave you a woman, and now you're taking it and throwing it back in my face. Sort of like you give your child an ice cream, you give your child an ice cream, and the kid takes the ice cream and puts it all over their shirt, and you're like, what are you doing? You messed up your whole shirt. He's like, ma, it's your fault. My fault? Yeah, you gave me the ice cream. Chutzpah, I gave you the ice cream for you to enjoy, and now you're throwing it back in my face? So, so just very, very fascinating. And you know, I say it to you before I, before I give a speech. It should come out of my mouth what you need to hear, not what I need to say, because sometimes it's very different. And I promise you that what I'm about to tell you is not in Rus and was not in my mind. I guess maybe I have to hear it, maybe you have to hear it, I'm not sure. Listen, listen to how Hashem looks at a person who doesn't appreciate, who doesn't have, who doesn't have gratitude. Okay? So he eats from the tree. I'm going to tweet it to you from inside. Hashem says, Oh, it's not good to be alone. I'm going to create for him a, a helpful person, Kinegdo, opposite him. It's like a woman is supposed to be the man's mirror. People, women think sometimes Kinegdo means against him. No, no, no. The Hashem didn't create the wife to be against her husband. Kinegdo means, I wonder what I look like. I look in the mirror. So husband, his reflection of what he is, should be coming from his wife. Okay. So Hashem did him this unbelievable, unbelievable, unbelievable favor. And he creates us from what? Hashem creates us from Adama. Why did he create us from Adama? Why not from a stone? Why not from wood? Why not from a tree? Why not like Superman, a man of steel? Why did he create us from steel? That would be amazing. That would be amazing. You oil your joints and that's it. You don't have to go. You don't have to worry about it. Right? But he didn't do that. He created us from dirt. Why Hashem create us from dirt? Because Adama has potential. You put something, a seed into the ground, and a tree grows. A human being is based on potential. So therefore, we are made from Adama. That's a bracha. We're called Adam. Adam means we created from dirt. Dirt has the kayach to make things grow. Beautiful. Okay. So he eats from the tree. That lady, that you did me a favor, you gave her to me. Says Rashi, says Rashi, Yud Beis, when he said this, Here, Adam was an ingrate. He had no gratitude. Later on, listen to this. Says curses, curses, Adam. Well, Adam, well, Adam, Amar, who throws it back in Adam's face. Oh, the whole problem is your wife, because you listen to your wife. I talk about AIDS, right? The potential that I made you, that you're an Adam, that you could grow. You cursed that potential because a person who's an ingrate. Who doesn't have gratitude cannot grow. And therefore, me the connected Mida, I am cursing the Adama that you are made out of. Because the whole greatness of the Adama is potential. And a person that has no gratitude has no potential. And therefore Hashem says to him, 
Not only that, now, what's the difference between Afwa and Adama? Afwa is ash. Ash has no potential. If you try to plant something in ashes, it will not grow. So now Hashem said, you are no longer Adama because you're an ingrate and you threw this woman back at me. You are dust. And dust has no potential. Dust just makes beautiful things dull. Hashem didn't say you're going back to the Adama. He says if you come and you don't have gratitude, you are just pure Afra, and that's where you're going to go. A person who has no gratitude is going nowhere. Okay? And now Hashem turns to Adam, and he says, okay, now it's time to name your wife. Give her a name. I don't think that's a great time to name your wife after she did this to you. Like, maybe you should wait a week till you forget what she did. She says, now, now, name her. So he names her Chava. Why does he name her Chava? Ki aim kol chai, the Pasuk says. Because he said, Chava is the mother of all living. No. Chava is not the mother of all living. Chava brought death to the world. He should have named her Misa Mishana. Not Chava. What happened over here? She took his life. Very interesting Rashi. Women don't like when I say it, so I'm going to say it anyway. Very fascinating Rashi. Rashi says she gave it to, she gave it to Adam. So Rashi asks, if the whole reason she ate from the tree is she should have chachma, she should know the, the, the difference between good and bad. So now she was like Hashem. That's what the Nachash told her. So why would she give it to Adam? She's way above him. He's walking around. He doesn't know the difference between good and bad. He only knows good. So whatever she serves him, wow, that's great. How do I look? Great. Why would she give him to eat from the Eitz and Das? She was way above him. So Rashi says that she said, now that I ate from the Eitz and Das, I'm going to die. If you think I'm going to die and you're going to live forever, it ain't happening. If I'm going to die, I don't know what's with this thing. You're going to die. You're thinking to yourself, oh, come on. I'm not like that. So Rashi goes and says something fascinating. Why, why, why did she feel like that? Like, you know, okay, you made a mistake. You're going to die. Why would you? She actually gave poison to her husband. She knew that once she gave it to him and he ate from it, he's going to die. So Rashi says, Shema Yisena Acher. If I'm going to die, you're going to marry someone else. As Chazal, there is no one else. It was just Chava. What are you talking about? Jealousy doesn't have to make sense. And this midah of jealousy came into the world and continued through the whole Torah. Cain killed Hevel, Yosef and his brothers. This midah is in the world. If you have Hakaras HaTov, if you have appreciation, you're never jealous of anyone else. If you appreciate what you have, then why would you be jealous of someone else? So the whole basis 
of her Aveira and Adam blaming her. The whole thing is based on the lack of appreciation. And that's why I wrote a book on Kivit of Aim. Because the basis, and I know this is a very sore subject. But there are two mitzvahs in the Torah that Hashem says, You're going to live long. One is the easiest mitzvah. One is the hardest mitzvah. Kivit of Aim, by far, if you know the halachas, is the hardest mitzvah that exists in the world. I bring down in my book from a sefer that if your father is not Jewish, okay, you're a ger, father's not Jewish, and the father passes away, the son has to say Kaddish. Everybody was like, what? Where did you see that? Your, fa- your, your father's not Jewish, and he passes away, he's really, once you become Jewish, he's really not your father, halacha, whatever it is, it's, you have to say Kaddish. Why do you have to say Kaddish? He's not Jewish. And the answer is, your mother's not Jewish. And you're born and not a Jew. And you become a Jew and your mother passes away, you have to say Kaddish. Kaddish for a non-Jew? And the answer is, because it's based on Akar Satayv. And had they not brought you into the world as a guy, you couldn't have become a Ger as a Jew. If you weren't in the world, you could never be a Jew. So all the mitzvahs that you're doing now as a Ger, as a Jew, you owe them for bringing you into the world. Allah is kama, v'kama, 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 Jewish parents. Oh, but they're dysfunctional. They don't treat me right. Oh, my parents. Could be. What, did they bring you into the world? Did your mother diaper you? I guess so. Did she get up at 2 o'clock in the morning? She couldn't open, open her eyes and burp you? till you finally burp? Ridiculous. Your cat, I would say the cat in the house watches the, the woman walking around burping her kid. He's like, I don't burp my cats. Like, what, what are these human beings all about? Did, you, did she take you to the doctor when you had a little rash? Did she make your lunch and your breakfast and go to school and go to PTA? And all that time before you became a teenager and then everybody's dysfunctional once you're a teenager. Everybody's dysfunctional. So where's your curse of type for that? You have to have a curse of type for that. You're going to wait till they're in a box in front of you and then by every Leviah, Mommy, I didn't give you enough time. Maybe I didn't give you enough attention. Maybe I wasn't there for you. What? She's not alive anymore. Maybe tell her when she's alive. You can get a good warm kiss and a hug from a human being that's alive. Why are we waiting so that by the Leviah we can tell her in front of everyone, ask Mechila. Ask Mechila while they're alive. Across the time, the basis of everything, you don't have it. How could you serve Hashem? The appearance you see, you know what they did for you. Yes, um, again, many of us have dysfunctional situations, and that's a separate, but that doesn't take away whatever the person did get. This is a very big mistake that people, if I do you a favor, and then I do you an avla, do you owe me for the favor? Do you owe me for the favor if I give you $100, right? And you went shopping, whatever, and one day I, I stole $100. Do you owe me for the 100 the $100 I stole from you, I got to get mechila, I did something wrong. But do you, do, do, you, do you have a scale? Well, my mother did this, but now she's doing this. You still owe her for what happened. So kibbutz of the aim is the basis of the five mitzvahs on the right side of the luchos, which has been adam ha-makom, not been adam ha-chavero. Between a person and Hashem. What do you mean? It's my parents. So a girl today, I was talking about this in seminary, and she's like, I didn't ask my parents to bring me into the world. That was their decision. 
I'm like, okay, I bring you to a vault with $20 million in jewels, right? And you're like, well, I didn't ask you to bring me to the vault. I don't owe you anything. But you're in the vault. So one girl said, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I'm having such a bad life. I don't want to be here. So who asked my parents to do me a favor? And I'm like, yeah. Every second of a person's life is the biggest favor. It's called the present every moment because it's the greatest present that a human being can have. And your parents gave you that ability by bringing you to the world. The mission in Pekayovo says that one second in this world of doing a good deed or tshuva is bigger than the whole Ganeiden Oilam Haba. I want to go to Oilam Haba. I want to go to Oilam Haba. Hello, you're in Oilam Haba because one second in this world of doing something right is greater than the whole Oilam Haba. What are you rushing to go to Oilam Haba for? This is much bigger than Oilam Haba. And then the next mission says, and by the way, one moment in Oilam Haba of enjoyment is greater than all the enjoyment in this world. So one moment in Oilam Haba of enjoyment is greater than all the enjoyment in this world, and one moment in this world is greater than the whole Oilam Haba and all that enjoyment. So if you have a second to be in this world, you can make someone smile, and you can help somebody, and you can make a bracha, a bracha. Who are we? We're worms. We're worm food. To say to God who created the world, Baruch Atah Hashem. I want to bless you, God. It's like your goldfish saying to you in the morning on your way out, hope you have a good day. You're a goldfish. Stay in your goldfish. Bowl. Who is I to say to Hashem, Baruch Atah Hashem. Hashem, I want to give you a bracha. Do you know what that is to be able to say that? Because well, you are the source of all bracha. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, Hashem is the only one. In the next world, you can't say Kriya Shema. You can't say Amen. You can't say Amen Yehei Shmei Rabba. You can't do a mitzvah. You can do nothing. So the potential of a human being in this world to be here for one second, I'll tell you a very sad story. So there was a 90-year-old man. Gave tzedakah, finished Shah seven times had children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, had a really full life, and never, he had a crazy stroke, and he was brain-dead. Brain-dead, 100%, MRI, CAT scan, you name it, everything. He was alive on 10 machines. And a boy, a young man with a pregnant wife, was in a car accident, and he needed a liver. And they went to the tzaddikim, and they asked if they could take this man's liver. He happened to have been a healthy man in a certain way, could they take his liver and give it to this young boy just married with a pregnant wife who his potential was all ahead of him. This man's potential was over. He was brain dead. What is he going to do? And the Rabbanim Paskin, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But he has no potential. He can't put on chillin, he can't dominate, he can't learn, he can't talk. He's not even here. He's brain dead. He's not here. Halachically, your heart has to stop. But Lemaisa, he wasn't here. So, what's his potential? So the girls in my class asked me, they well, asking, what's his potential? You're into potential, potential. What's his potential? I said, you want to know what his potential is? His potential is not normal. You want to know what his potential is? That every time his children, grandchildren, would come to be Mavaka Chayla, they got a mitzvah, their Arisa from the Torah, or Bika Chaylam. Once he's not here anymore, there's no Bika Chaylam in the graveyard. But right now, this Bikr Chayim. And every time his granddaughter said Tehillim for him, she did a chesed. So a brain-dead person has crazy potential. But Hashem, no one in this room is brain-dead. 
potential of a human being to say something nice to someone, to make feel someone good. And I yell, I yell all the time at, at young girls and at seminary girls, and like, like, why are you on your on your phone and your WhatsApp and, and this piece of metal that you're wasting your life? Who has no feelings towards you? It's a piece of metal. When all the hours you spend, if you would just go to a second grader, I deal with kids that are off the derach. I deal with kids that try to hurt themselves. I deal with kids that try to commit suicide. I deal with kids that are on the street. I deal with kids that are on drugs. You know where it stems from most of the time? Low self-esteem. You know where low self-esteem stems from? From going to school and being learning disabled and not being helped and not getting a tutor because the parents can't afford it and slipping in school and feeling like they're stupid. I had a girl in my office and, and to try to give her some some help and she came and she she's totally broken totally broken so i said could i could i, could I see your report card and she takes out her report card and she got a 92 in math and a 95 in clemish and i'm looking at this report card this was a dream of mine my report card it said 92 but the other way around it was like 29 and it said you i told my father that means unbelievable and f f means fantastic he didn't buy any of it. Don't think he bought any of it. So this kid's sitting in front of me, and she's like, broken, no self-esteem. And I said, 92. Wow. Because I was saying, look a little closer. I'm like, okay. There's an M next to it. I know what that means. It means modified. Some people don't test well orally. Some don't, people don't test well visually. Some people have an IEP. Okay. Modified. I wish I would have gotten a 92 modified. She says, Rabbi Wallstein, it doesn't mean modified. It means moron. You think kids don't know? You think they don't know when they're taken out of class and they have to go to a special class? You think the child doesn't know that they're different? I'm a kid of 43 years. They know. And it hurts. You have no choice sometimes, but it hurts. Resource room hurts. When I was in Yeshiva Spring Valley, I was just telling my class today, so I'm 63, so we're going back 53 years. And they just got a new intercom. It was like 53 years ago, and the intercom was like amazing. And they put it into every single room with a little red light that Rabbi Greenbaum, all the could listen into the class, what's going on without anyone. Well, they should have popped the bulbs out. That was silly that the red light went on. We were like, hello? Okay, but in those days, they, didn't, they weren't that good with technology. And every Wednesday at 3.10, this is 50 years later, at 3.10, you would hear across the school, Stevie Wallerstein, your speech therapist, is waiting for you in room 310, the whole school. Now, they weren't mean. It, there was no therapist in those days. There was no, like, there were therapists. Right hand, left hand, they called them. Everyone had the same therapist. Father's right hand, your father's left hand. Sometimes you had two therapists at a time, sometimes you had one therapist at a time. The Rebbe, and for some reason, my Rebbe had the same therapist my father had. I don't know. Everybody had the same therapist. I guess there were these two therapists, and that's it. Right hand, left hand. It's fine. Not Muncie. It's, it's fine. I'm, I'm pretty normal. I'm not seeing anyone right now. Um, I'm not on any medication. Well, Hashem, you know, we were with a different generation, and yeah, we got banged around a little bit. Okay. But when everyone gets banged around a little bit, it doesn't bother you. It's when only there was one kid in my class who didn't get smacked ever. We smacked them. We took care of it. <laughs> so, yeah, they called me out. You think I didn't know that I had a terrible list? 
You think I didn't know that I was different? On my way down the hall, the whole school was singing? She sells seashells at the seashore, and you can't say that. I would say, she says, she sells seashells at the seashore, and they'll be like, oh, you're a cute little girl. Don't, it's funny, when you say this over to women, they're like, I'm so bad for you. When you say it over to guys, they're like, yeah. I would have been one of those guys making fun of you. Very different world. So, yeah, kids know. Kids know. So, if you're single, and you don't have your own kids, or you're married, you don't have your own kids, and you walk into Shiva's Valley or to any school, and you're like, listen, um, if you have any weak kids in first and second grade, I'll give two hours of my week for them. I'll, I'll tutor them. Everyone in this room can tutor Aleph Bays, I think. And everyone in this room can tutor first and second grader. Do you have any idea how you will change that child's life? Outside that, a girl's life is based on her school and her social life. Those are the only two things that count. I teach girls. The only two things that count. And actually, social life counts more. A kid that does very well in school but doesn't have a social life, we're in trouble. A kid who has a very good social life and doesn't do well in school, it's okay. I'm cool. Everyone's following me. They want to come to my house. Okay. You don't have sports. See, guys, we have sports. So if I'm good at ball and I get and camp wants me and I get chosen first on the team, I don't care what I get on my test. The girls don't have that. It's either my friends and I didn't get invited or at least they do well in school. If they don't have friends and they don't do well in school, usually if you don't do well in school, you have a little bit of a hard time having friends, then I end up dealing with them in a very bad place. So who in this room can't give two hours a week to help a little kid? Who, who, who doesn't have that beautiful moment that Hashem gives us in life that you can't help a kid? What are you going to say after 120 years? Like, like, you were on that phone the whole time? What, what did you, who did you help? Like, what did you do? What, what, what do you have from it? It's a piece of metal. It has no life. It doesn't care. It doesn't care what happens to you. It has no love for you. It can't cure any of your sicknesses. It can't cure you emotionally. It can only hurt you. So why are you wasting your time with a man-made piece of metal when Hashem made all these beautiful people that you can help. Oh, I don't like kids. They make me nervous, Rabbi. I don't like special kids. I, I have girls like, go teach an autistic kid. Go teach a Down syndrome kid. You know what it is? When you walk into the house of an autistic with Down syndrome kid, oh, Miriam's here! Mommy, mommy, Miriam's here! They light up like a light bulb. You know what it is for a kid in second grade to say, there's a seminary girl. She comes to my house. She tells it to all the other girls. Her name's Miriam. And she took me for pizza. Ha! Who took you for pizza? A badge. It kills me to watch people waste their lives on machines. It's the suck on. It's, it's called killing time. When you can help someone else. I don't like kids. I don't like autistic kids. Okay, so go to an old age home. Some people like old people. My grandmother, Ola Shalom, was in the Palisades. Palisades, because Broyers, she was in the Palisades, right off the Palisades on exit one. So I used to go visit her all the time on Thursdays. Broyer girls used to come on Thursdays also. So you had all these women, these Yekisha women on the, in the Palisades, and they're in their wheelchairs, and they're all made up. You would think it's a wedding. They had that hair thing going on, and they had that red lipstick, and like really red lipstick, and, and their makeup on, because the Broyer girls were coming. They, were, they had chiyos. 
And, and the, the, one of the things that they did was they draw. They used to draw cats and things like that. And the girls would come and say, wow, could you sign your name? I'm going to put it up my house. These people were in a waiting room to go to the next world. And these girls gave them life. You don't want to be here? It's like, what? what? I didn't ask to be here? But you're here? Do you know what you can do while you're here? You know the kayak of a human being? It's being stolen. I had a girl in my high school. And she was in the bathroom. I was in school a few years ago. And all of a sudden I hear this screaming terror out of the girl's bathroom. I can't go into the girl's bathroom. I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? Someone in the bathroom? I don't, I, I, what happened? She comes running out. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I got scared. It's my school. I don't know what happened in that bathroom. I'm like, okay, okay. Just, just stop crying for a second. Tell Rabbi Wallerstein what happened. <laughs> my phone! It fell in the toilet! Promise you it's a true story. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And she, she's holding this iPhone, and it wasn't like today's iPhone. I think today's iPhone, you could flush it, and it still comes back, whatever. They made the, the iPhone XZ number 25, whatever. Right? It's something he doesn't give up. He's like, you think you're going to... Get, go to Wallerstein's speech and then go home and throw your phone in the bathtub. Ha! It's going to float and be waterproof. <laughs> He's got it going. He's got it going. So I said to her, I said to her, okay, calm down, calm down. Goes, I lost all my contacts. I didn't back it up. I don't know who my mother is. <laughs> I'm like, don't worry. We have a Tchias Mason room. Bags of rice. You put the phone in the bag of rice. And you have a Tchiasamesim room. Nebuch. That's your life. That's your world. I promise you, this is not what I came to talk about tonight. I promise you. I got this whole Ruth story. And I'm just not getting there. So somebody needs to hear this. Somebody's going to go to school tomorrow and pick up a, a second, third grader and teach them and give them back to life. And you know what? It, it, it could be your kid I'm talking about. You don't have to find another second or third grader. Maybe your kid needs some time. Maybe mommy should take the kid to the pizza shop. So she can go to school and say, my mommy took me to the pizza shop. Really? My mommy went to the bicycle store with me. True story, Crown Heights Yeshiva. Hashem's not letting me get out of this subject. I don't know what's going on here. So I was, I was assistant principal in, in, Yeshiva's, in, in Yeshiva Crown Heights. I love to talk to little kids. Little kids have no filters. If you want to find out something about someone... Don't don't do the shidduch thing with the with the resume. Find the, the 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 boy's little sister. You get everything, everything. The other stuff's not true. They call this friend that friend. Hi, how are you? you tell me a little about your brother Maishi. Oh, Maishi, I hate him. <laughs> they mamish have no filters, so you have to be careful. You're not really allowed to ask them. Like the appearance of Shalom bias. No, you can't ask that question. But I like to make them happy. So I used to go. I used to blow shofar for them. I used to tell them stories. So there's this one cute little girl, kindergarten kid, her name was Devayri, cute little thing. And she's walking in the hall and her face is like, on the floor. I'm like, Devayri, what's going on? I'm not so happy today. I'm like, me and not so happy today. Your mother loves you more than anyone in the world. You are so lucky to have such a mother. Not true. I'm like, I'm telling you, I know your mother. She loves you more than anyone else in the world. Not true. She loves Gitti more. I'm like, uh, probably has a little baby Gitti. They get crazy when that kid comes along. 
Oh, your mommy had a new baby, Gitty? No. I'm like, who's Gitty? Gitty's my mommy's best friend. I'm like, okay, okay, that's cool. What's wrong with that? How do you know? Not ready, I'm going to ask. How do you know that mommy loves Gitty more than you? And this kid is innocent, kindergarten, and I hope none of you have kids that are going to answer what she just an- what she answered to me. You know what she said? My mommy talks to her all the time. She doesn't talk to me so much. So you have a kid in kindergarten. You want to know, why are kids off the derech? Like, why is she... We got to go to therapist. She has low self-esteem. You know, that she's got this, she's got that. It's, everything has words. ODD, ODAD, ODMT, whatever you want to say, but L-O-V-E, L-O-V-E, four-letter word, T-I-M-E, giving someone time and giving someone love heals everything. I'm not talking to you from theory. I am in the trench. I am in class for 43 years. Older girls, younger girls, older boys, younger boys, you name it. Don't allow the satan to take your time away from you and waste it on something that if it falls into the toilet, it's the mobble. The world is destroyed. That world is destroyed. An hour. Your kids come first. Your kids come first. Whatever I said about going and helping someone else, your kid comes first. And guess what? Your parents and your grandparents come first. You don't got to go to a nursing home and help other people. You got to show some interest to your grandmother and your grandparents and your parents because Kivit of the Aim is based on Hakursatov. And if you don't have Hakursatov and Kivit of the Aim, how do you have Hakursatov for Hashem? You don't see him, you don't hear him. Your parents are your parents. Don't wait till they're in a box and ask Mechila. That's ridiculous. Go home, give him a hug, give him a kiss, tell him you're sorry. You know how many times I told my mother I'm sorry? A lot. I ask her all the time, are you Michael me? She goes, what did you do? Tell me what you did. Because you don't really have to tell everybody what you did. I'll tell you a story. I don't think I'm going to get to Russell. I'll have to come back a different day. I'll say one thing about Russell at the end. I'll tell you a true story. That has to do a little bit with Russell. So I was in California, and they asked me to speak a few years ago to a group of Yisraimis, orphan, orphan girls from the age of 6 to 16. It was a very bad year in California. A lot of people died, and it was a terrible car accident. Two of them, with two parents, both parents, were nifter. And they were like, we're going to set up this class. We want you to give, well, Wallstein, you're here anyway. You're not going to the red eye. Could you give them chizik? Okay, I got all kinds of stories. Knowing to, I'm walking into a room of all orphans is a very hard, very hard situation. But I walked in figuring, okay, five girls, six girls. Sixteen, no, there were 23 girls in that room. Tragedy. 23 girls that were all orphans. I knew that when I walked in. So we made a semicircle. And I sat in the middle and I gave him my speech. Moshe Rabbeinu, he couldn't talk. His mouth was burnt. He was abandoned in the Nile River as a little boy. He was the prince of Egypt, and he wasn't the prince of Egypt. Then he went to the desert, and then Yisro tried to kill him. I'm like, he had a really very bad life, and he became Moshe Rabbeinu. Yosef HaTzadik, you want trauma? I don't think of the therapist in the world that ever had to deal with this trauma. Brothers throwing their brother undressed into a pit with scorpions and snakes, and when that didn't work, selling him to Mitzrayim. That's trauma. 
But he became Yetzirah Struggle muscle. That's how you become great. Rus, that's really my whole speech on Rus. Rus was terrible struggle muscle. They thought he was a mamza. They threw him into Beis Lechem. They threw him into the desert. He was a redhead. There's a whole story. They didn't think he was from his mother. It was a whole Gansamaisa. He went through the hardest, hardest times. They all became great. This is my speech to these kids who don't have parents or a parent and don't worry about it because you're going to have struggle muscle and you're going to grow up to be able to help other kids that are going through the same thing because you can only help people really help them if you went through it. If you went through it. If you didn't go through it, you can't really understand. You can say, I, I hate when people say, I feel your pain. You cannot feel my pain. If I get up here and put a needle in my finger and someone says, ow, nah. You can feel that I am in pain, but you cannot feel my pain. So don't tell people I feel your pain. That's not a nice. That's it's not true. I feel that you that you are in pain. That's true. Anyway, I gave this whole speech, and I know when I'm on. I was on. I had them. Sixteen year old girls, other girls, and this little girl. Her name happened to be Devari also sitting in front of me. This little girl, big brown eyes, looks up at me. I finish. I said, "Any questions?" And she says. Rabbi Wallerstein, can I ask you something? I'm like, what's your name? Devayri, how old are you? Seven. I'm like, sure, Devayri, you can ask me anything. And she looks up at me, innocent eyes, and she says, Rabbi Wallerstein, did you have a mommy when you were seven? And now I knew where that was coming from. And I said, um, yeah, I did have a mommy when I was seven. You still have a mommy? Well, Hashem. I still have a mommy. She goes, oh! I'm like, you don't know my mother? That's a weird reaction. But anyway. She gets up. Ladies, within two minutes, the room was empty. Because they had like candies in the kitchen and stuff. And the minute, she, the minute I said I still have a mommy, everybody in the room lost interest. He's not one of us. He doesn't understand all of it. He didn't go through what we went through. The older one said, Rabbi Wallstein was great. I gotta go home and do my homework. Oh my gosh, it's so late. The little kids are like, where's the candy? Where's the pizza? And all of a sudden, I'm sitting in the room. There were 23 seats. Wallerstein. By himself. I lost them all. My feet. Gone. Goodbye. You're not one of us. You do not understand us. So I went home. The next morning, I went straight to my mother. She should live long. I said, Ma... I have to ask you, Mechila. She said, what did you do in California? I said, Ma, this is going to sound very weird. I was giving this speech, and this little girl asked me if I had a mommy when I was seven. At that moment, I really wished I didn't. I wished that maybe you died at childbirth. Because if I could have told this girl, at seven, I never had a mommy. This girl would have walked down and said, yeah, I could be like Rabbi Wallstein. He also doesn't have a mommy. I'm like, you being alive, blew it. But I love you and I'm happy you're alive. It was just that moment. I said, my, it gets worse. It gets worse. I see, then she asked me if you're still alive. And I figured I still have a chance. If I would say you're not, if you weren't been alive, it would have been okay, I'm part of the club. So definitely at that moment, I was like, maybe it would have been better for this speech, you weren't alive. Now she knows I'm a Meshuggah now. And she says, you know you're Meshuggah. I said, I know, I know, my. It's, 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 I, don't re- I didn't really mean that. Of course I love you and I want you to lie. And I gave her a big hug. Of course I want you to lie. But for the story, it would have been great. She goes, I'm Michael, you bet you're crazy. No, she didn't say crazy. She said, you're Meshuggah. 
So when a person goes through in his life, and I'm sure there's many people in this room that have gone through things that they haven't chosen to go through, and Rav Shipshapik always says, you changed my life, this statement. He said, people think they have Bechira, people think they have choice. But the truth is you really don't have choice. That you're a girl or a boy, wasn't your choice. Who your parents are, that's a big one. Wasn't your choice. Who your siblings are, not your choice. That you were born in Muncie, not your choice. What school you go to, pretty much not your choice. What you look like, your height, close your hair, close your eyes. Yeah, you can put on makeup, you can wear shape or whatever you want. But the bottom line is the way you're born is really wasn't your choice. That you're going to be 5'10", 5'5", 5'2". The DNA in your body, all the different health things that the doctors ask you, wasn't your choice. You didn't say, I want that DNA, but I don't want that DNA. So most of the, the human being's life, and especially if you went through trauma, definitely wasn't your choice. You didn't, nobody ever asked to have trauma. So all these things that a person has in their life, it's not your choice. So what are you doing here? You should be better off being an apple tree. You don't got to deal with anybody. If you have no choice, you want to be an apple tree. I found this fascinating what he said. And his answer was that the only choice you have in life is what you do with the things you have no choice. That you are a woman, that you're born a Jew, that those are your parents, that those are your siblings, that you went through that trauma. So now you went through that trauma, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to step in and step up or step out and step off? That is everybody's choice. What are you going to do with your stuff? Are you Are going to use it to help others because you understand what they're feeling like? Or are you just going to let it be wasted? Hashem, you know, I don't like that saying and it's wrong that Hashem doesn't give you a test that you can't pass. You don't want to hear that when you're suffering. Oh, great, thank you. Well, I'm not passing. Hashem doesn't give you a test because a test means you might pass, you might fail. If I ask everyone in this room, what's one plus one? That's not a test. I know everyone knows the answer. I'm not testing you. If I ask you for the third theory of relativity in physics, I don't think anyone knows that. Maybe there's someone here that does. But you didn't fail because you surely don't know the answer. So if it's a sure yes or sure no, it's not a test. A test is maybe yes, maybe no. You have to choose your answers. So Shem Shimpinka said that the khir in this world is what do you do with the stuff that happened to you and the parents that you were given? You know, I wish I had other parents. No. No, don't wish you had other parents. Even if they're dysfunctional, you went through a hard time, use what you learned from that dysfunction in your hard time and help other people that have the same parents. I am not going to go and speak tonight about what I went through in third grade. But it was traumatizing. And the reason I went into Chinuch is because I didn't want it to happen to other kids. I didn't want to go into Chinuch. I was a hockey player. I'm a drummer. I wasn't interested. My, my friends thought I banged my head somewhere on a wall when I said I want to be a Rebbe. You, a Rebbe? I didn't even know how to spell Gemara, the word. You want to be a Rebbe? Why do you want to be a Rebbe? You don't get paid a lot and they don't pay on time. It's a miserable job. And if the, if the kids like you, the parents don't. The parents like you, the kids don't. And that holler doesn't like you no matter what. What a terrible job. Why do you want to be a ready, Wallerstein? You're a businessman, I said. Because I want to make sure what I went through, other kids are not going to go through. So no, I can't change the world. But the 25 guys in my room that I'm going to teach, nobody's touching. Nobody's touching and nobody's going to embarrass them. I can protect 25 kids. I taught 8th grade for 30 years. I had 750 students. Okay, I didn't change the world, but nobody touched them and nobody embarrassed them. 
Could have I stepped out? Of course I could have stepped out. I could hate rabbis, hate Jews, hate everybody that stood for what happened to me. But I stepped in because, Baruch Hashem, I had parents that I would not hurt because I always had a curse at home. And even though I wanted to step out, I would not hurt the parents that gave me everything. And I don't mean they bought me a car. They, my father and mother, my mother should live long, my father is not here already 24 years. You know what they gave me more than a lot of my friends? Time. Wow, that's love. My father went on a trip, he took his kids. Going down to Shul, we lived up the hill, we went down to Basin Thrall, it was a half an hour walk. Every time we went to Shul, there was a contest with prizes between me and my brother on the parasha. He was Kulay, the Leif Shalem, him and my mother, 100% gave us all their time. Time is love. Because time is the one thing that you cannot live without for even a second if you don't have it. You can live without money, you can live without breathing for two minutes, you can live without eating, some of us anyway, for two minutes, you can live without drinking, you can live, you can live without a, a girl my you can't live without love. I'm like, I know a lot of people that live without love. You can't. One of them wanted to get a good mark in my class or shit. You can't live without Hashem. I'm like, I deal with atheists all the time. The one thing you can't live without is time. And that's why it's the most precious thing we have. And that's why it's the hardest thing to give to someone else. And my parents gave me that. And I am a pretty healthy guy. And I do a lot of stuff. And if someone says, how are you so healthy? And my answer is, I'm talking emotionally. How are you so healthy? It's because I had healthy parents that, that brought me up in a healthy way because they gave me time and I know. I have this phone. I have, I'm, I'm not showing off, just the opposite. I have a high school, Baruch Hashem. I have two seminaries. I have a residential treatment center. I have a business... Those are important. I have a family, which is very important. I have a life. And I have a stupid phone. I don't know what's that. You're missing out on everybody. Rabbi Wallenstein, you should have, you should be online like all the other rabbis. And then you could have like 6,000 friends. I'm like, I don't need more friends. No, followers. I'm like, I'm not Moses. I don't need friends, I don't need followers. I need my kids, I need my wife, I need Hashem. I need people I could help. So someone said to me, hi, hi. just yesterday, a guy came up and said, I don't say, how you doing? You give Shiurim? And I'm told anytime, 790 I think I'm up to. You have a high school that's not easy. You have two seminaries, and you, ever, you go up every, every week to the horses, to the, to the rehab, and you run, a, you run a big business and a family. Brad Wallenstein, we do you have time for this. We do you have time for this. You know what I said? I don't do anything else. I don't watch movies. I don't read books. I don't even read Bina and all the other magazines on Shabbos. Not because there's anything wrong with it, but because if I have to prepare for my shirim, I don't do anything else. Guess what, ladies? If you get rid of your smartphone, you're going to find out you have a lot of time. You have a lot of time. So I did not come to talk about this tonight. But I, this, is, this is where it's at. What should I tell you? So you came tonight. I'm not giving anyone muster. I'm not judging anyone. Everyone has different lives. And I have to tell you the truth that if I didn't have secretaries and teachers and people that work for me, I would have to have a smartphone. Yeah, it would be filtered, but I couldn't run all that on a, on a, on a phone like this. But I have secretaries. I don't even have a computer. 
people send me emails like why don't you send me back an email I'm like guess what the email goes to the secretary the secretary puts it on my desk sometimes I don't go to the office for three days I write the answer on the paper that she gives me on the printout then I give it back to her and then she emails it to you I don't even have a computer I'm Shavisa Hashem Negdi Summit so Ron Wallenstein you're anchored there you're, you, 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 you should live in a cave the answer is no ladies I'm living I'm living every moment of my life because this doesn't own me. I own it. Yeah, it's true. People say, I call you, you don't answer. Yeah, I don't answer. I don't, this doesn't own me. If I'm doing something, it doesn't own me. I'm free. I am free. How many of you are free? How many of you can say, you know what freedom is? Freedom is the ability to say no. Everyone thinks freedom is, in America, freedom is, yes, yes, I can do whatever I want. Nike, right? Nike. Just do it. That's freedom. No, there's only one word that a slave can never say. You know what that is? No. Yes, master. Yes, sir. Yes, miss. It's all yes, 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 yes. A slave says no, off with his head. So a free person can say no. So maybe make a little change in your house. Maybe for the first hour your kid comes home, you put your phone away. Maybe the phones don't go above the kitchen dining room. They don't go into the bedrooms. Maybe your shalom bias would be great if your phone did not go into the bedroom. You're scared there's going to be an emergency. Have that nebuch, that old phone that actually rings. If there's an emergency. Could you imagine? Could you imagine, married women, that you're, you're on the next floor, the bedroom floor, and you can actually talk to your husband, and he doesn't have his phone. And the phone stays in the kitchen. No one's going to be in the kitchen. And, 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 and teenage girls, you can't take your phone into your bedroom. It stays in the kitchen. You might go to sleep at 11 o'clock. You might, only, you might even say Kriya Shemalamita. Instead of going to sleep, watching Mishugas, whatever it is. And the last thing before we go to sleep is we have to look at, is anybody, did anyone WhatsApp me? Nebuch. Nebuch. You're supposed to be, the last thing you're supposed to go to sleep is see your husband or see your wife or see your mother or see your child. The last thing we look at, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Anyone, any, uh, anyone, what did they say? I think 152 times look at your phone when it's not ringing a day. Just keep looking at your phone. It's such an addiction. It's a, they call it a tsumi. In Time Magazine, they wrote that it's a tsumi. They didn't write the word tsumi. They wrote it's a pacifier. That a, today, an adult has to hold their phone. Why are you holding your phone? It's not ringing. You're not talking to anybody. What's a tsumi? The internet doesn't want this to be clear. What's a tsumi? So you give this kid a pacifier. Does it have any milk in it? Does it have any juice in it? Nothing. It's fake, right? So it, it, it reminds him of drinking. That's enough. It, it's security. Having the tsumi is I am secure. They, they did a whole thing and they asked a bunch of people, what is it like when you walk out and you realize the phone is not in your hands and not in your pocket? The word is I am insecure. Ladies, if your phone gives you security, you are very sick. You are very sick. If that's your security, not Hashem, not Bitacha, not Emuna, not relationship, a phone gives you security, there's something very, very, very wrong. So I'm not asking you to take your phones and, 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 and buy a phone like mine because it's not going to happen. Because everyone sitting in this room, the HR tells everyone, that, you know, Wallenstein's right. But, but I'm different. I can control myself. That's it. That's right. No matter what it is, I gave a class on Shemini Gia today. And like after the class, I looked at all the girls. I'm like, I know, I know, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, guys, but the Chayim that I'm going out with, oh, he's different. That's what the HRS tells you. I'm different. I can control myself. I can turn on my phone. I can turn off my phone. I'm really good with my kids. Rabbi Wallenstein doesn't really know. I do this and I do that. Okay, so then fine. We're not talk- 
But you should know that, no, the children, the little kindergarten thinks that, could you imagine walking around thinking that your mother loves her friend more than you? Do you, do you know mentally what that does to a child? You think that, I called that mother. Oh, I called that mother. She's like, she just talks like that. I'm like, get it into your head. She doesn't just talk like that. She's walking down the hall in school with her face on the ground. What are you saying? Right, Wallenstein, don't take everything she says serious. I'm like, no, you take it serious. You take it serious that she thinks you talk to Gitti means you love Gitti. Relationships. You have good relationships, you have a good relationship with the Kurdish world. So, my last word, because it's late, I just want to tell you one word on Rus, which I think is the most beautiful. There's a lot to learn, and maybe I'll come up again. There's a lot to learn because Rus came from such a bad place. She was so different. She was so... The Jewish nation, he actually, when Boaz came, he told his boys, please don't throw her over the fence. I'll show it to you. Don't throw her over the fence again. Don't touch her, he said. Why would they touch her? They were, they were yeshiva boys. Why would they touch her? Because when she came into the field, she was a guy, and she was collecting leket, and they said, how dare you take what's for the Jewish girls, not for goyim, and they picked up David HaMelech's great-grandmother and threw her over the fence. Imagine when they come up to Hashem and Hashem's like, you think you did something good? You threw that girl over the fence? That's Mashiach's great-grandmother. Good job, guys. That's how abused she was. That's how she was so looked down on that they threw her over the fence. So that's the guys. But what did Boaz, and we just understand this, what did Boaz say the first time? Boaz was like Ramosha Feinstein, like the Satma Rebbe. Like Rav Chaim. He was the tzaddik, the shayfeh, the head of Klyestrel. And he meets non-Jewish Malavi. And she's collecting leket. And she's different, because instead of bending over to pick up the wheat, she's curtsying, she's snua. Wow. A Malavi that's a snua. Malavi with the least snua of the whole, of the whole world. So he says to the boys, ooh, snua. They said, no, no, she's a faker. Because if you know the story of the Moabim, they sent them down to the Jewish men and they sold them silk and they made, then ended up being Zionists and 24,000 Jewish men died in Pasha's Moloch. So we don't trust them. We don't trust their girls. They're fakers. They're Zionists. So the Gol Hadar meets this girl. What does he say to her? She's a guy. She didn't go to Beis Yaakov. She's alone. What does he say to her? I talk about this all the time. This is what he says, and we'll end with this. I was going to give a whole share on it. We'll just say one word. He comes to base Lechem, and this is what he says when he meets her. Hello, Shamata. I, I heard about you, BT, my daughter. Your daughter? Your daughter? A guy? You're calling her your daughter? So it's very funny. <laughs> I said this in a girl's school. The girl said, it says BT like, like Balchuva? I'm like, no, no, BT, based out. Yud, you have to be very clear. No, my daughter. Listen listen to what it's sounding. This is my shit tonight was the making of Mashiach. 
the mother and father of Mashiach, and we're still also is not normal. How, how do you become the father of Mashiach and the mother of Mashiach? And I'm sorry that I went all the way to the left. I'm sorry, or to the right, however you want to look at it. So this is what he says to her. I'll tell you, don't go anymore. But people are paneha. And, and I talk this about chinuch, about helping kids that are, that are sketched, that are, that, are, that are skidding, right? He says to her, she falls on the floor. Why are you being nice to me? Everybody in the Jewish nation is being nasty to me. Rabbi! Why are you being nasty to me? Why are you being nice to me? What does it mean to be nice to a person? The nicest thing you can do for a person is to give them recognition. Acceptance. So she says, I know I found favor in your eyes, because you called me BT. You gave me recognition. But I'm a guy. Rabbi, why did you call me your daughter? Why are you giving me recognition? Listen to what Boaz said. Boaz, he said, I heard how good you were to your mother-in-law, Naomi, and I heard that you left. She was the daughter of a king. She was a princess. I heard you left your father and your mother and your land and where you were born and you came to a nation that you didn't know and they hate you I know that you're suffering I know that you feel different and therefore I gave you recognition I didn't push you away I didn't throw you out of school but just the opposite I gave you recognition so she says to him you know what I'm going to promise you something. And she says the following. I'm glad that I found favor in my master. Because you consoled me. So she was in pain. You don't get nechama. She was in pain. You didn't speak to my ears. You spoke to my heart. This is amazing, Miglasros. I don't even know someone cares about me. But they're not talking to my brain. When a parent talks to their child from their heart, the child knows. When a teacher talks to a child from their heart, the child knows. When a child talks to their parent from their heart, the parent knows. It's very different when it comes. So she says, you spoke to me from the heart. She makes him a promise, I will not be a regular girl. I will not be a regular maidservant. You gave me recognition? You stopped and cared about me? You called me BT when they threw me over a fence? I promise you, if you put that into a child, if you give them love unconditionally, I don't care what you look like, I don't care if you have three piercings or eight piercings, or what you're going through, it doesn't matter, you're the daughter of God, and therefore you're special, I promise you, she said, I will not be a regular girl. Well, guess what? She became Em HaMalchus. She became the great-grandmother of David HaMelech. And she, Mashiach, came from her. And that's what she guaranteed him. You believe in me? You let me become my potential? One day, I promise you, you'll be very proud of me. There's not one woman standing or sitting in this room that is not the BT of Hashem. You are called Bas Yisrael. You are the daughters of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
which means that he feels the same way about you no matter how much you're sketching, you're not sketching, you're slipping, you're not slipping, where you're at, what you look like, pants, skirt, earrings, no earrings, makeup, no makeup, shave your head, don't shave your head, it doesn't matter, chasidish, lip fish, off the derech, on the derech, it doesn't matter to a parent, because the bottom line is, a parent and a child, every child it brings down, every child is Hashem's only child. It's not like I have ten children, okay, so one of them, no, everyone's his only child. So you need to turn around... And you need to, on the, on the edge of your bed tonight, say to our Kaddish Baruch Hu, if I'm your daughter, and you give me recognition, and you believe in me, because you know what? If Hashem didn't believe in you, you wouldn't have woken up this morning. There's nothing extra in God's world. You know that? The Gemara says, not even a blade of grass. Definitely not a human being. So if you woke up this morning, Rav Nachman Rebreslov said, if you wake up in the morning, Hashem is making a statement, what's the moda ani? What are you thanking Hashem for? You're thanking Hashem that Hashem made a statement that He needs Chani in His world, because if Chani wasn't needed in His world, even a blade of grass wouldn't be here, I wouldn't have woken up. So Hashem makes a statement to everyone that woke up this morning, you all woke up this morning, you wouldn't be here. Hashem made a statement that every woman in this room, and even Zechariah Wallstein, was needed in this world today. you got to figure out why. And you got to figure out before you go to sleep, did I do something that Hashem needed today? That's between you and him. You gave me back my soul. You gave me back potential. You gave me back life. You really believe in me. I'm your daughter. You really believe in me. Or you wouldn't give me back my life. Hashem, I'm not going to be no regular Jewish kid. I'm going to be a superstar. I'm going to make someone smile. I'm going to give someone hope. I'm going to change someone's life. And that we learn from Rus. You want to be the mother of Moshiach, and I don't mean Moshiach ben David, but Moshiach, you want to be the mother and the grandmother of children and people that are going to help Kaisro, they're going to be they're going to be amazing and they're going to be special. Understand and realize that Kashbarhu loves you, or you would not have woken up this morning. But I didn't want to wake up this morning, but Hashem knows that you did want to wake up this morning. Because if he didn't think you needed to wake up this morning, you would not have woken up this morning. Rabbachin, Rabna and Breslov believe in birthdays. A lot of Chasidim don't believe in birthdays. They're very into birthdays. They asked they asked the Breslov, why are you so into birthdays? It's a big day. Birthday is a very big day. Okay. And the answer is Rav Nachman said that the day you're born, Hashem made a statement that His world needs this neshama in the world. Wow, that's something to celebrate. That's something to celebrate. So every day, you, every day you're born, it's something to celebrate. You got to go home. I promise you, He didn't bring you in this world to have WhatsApp. You got Rav Watson's word on it. He did not bring you to in this world for that. He brought you in this world to be a wife and a mother and a friend and to do mitzvahs. And if you feel, I can't do that, I feel I can't do Kirov, do you think that Rush thought she could be aim? She could be the mother of Malchus of Dawan Melech and Shlomo Melech and, and Mashiach? You think she even had that thought when she went with the army? She never dreamed, she never dreamt it. She was the least ever believed to be anything. Girls in Shiduchim, and I'm sure there's many girls in Shiduchim that are in this room, and like, Sometimes they're very broken. I don't have shiduchim and I'm getting older and what's going on and then people start telling you you're picky, you're too picky and like, what are you, I'm picky? You go out the guys I went out with. Ha! I'm not picky. And, and, and they're, and they're mayayish and I tell them, I always tell them the same thing. I said, I knew a girl that there was no way she went to the shachin and she put down a paper and she said, I want to marry the gadol of Klai Yisrael. He's going to be the gadol of Klai Yisrael. Shaka said, okay, let me see your, uh, let me see your resume. 
Well, that's going to be a problem because you're not even Jewish yet. Like, if you're not Jewish, how, how am I going to get you the gadol of Klai Yisrael? Oh, this is a bigger problem. Even if you, your father, this is, not, this is not going to happen. Your father is a cardinal in the Christian faith? Not a priest, he's above a priest. I'm like, I don't know any guys that uh, this is going to work out. And by the way, where do you live? Oh, I live in South Dakota. There are no Jews in South Dakota. How am I going to get you a shidduch? There's no guys there. There's Lubavitch. One little, they just opened up a little Lubavitch. They're amazing. They have a mikvah now and a shul and food in South Dakota. If you end up getting stuck there. So, so, so like, does this girl have a chance? Her father's a cardinal. She's a guy and she lives in a place where there are no guys. Guess what, girls? Guess what? She got him. She got him. Moshe Rabbeinu. Tzipora. Lived in Midian. There was no Jews. Her father was the priest, high priest of all the Jews are in the world. She wasn't even Jewish. Hashem had to take Moshe Rabbeinu from Mitzrayim to Midian to bring her her shidduch. Well, if she could get that, you could get anyone. Rus, Moab, incest, the worst place, thrown over a fence. Who does she get to marry? Boaz. The Tzadik Hadar. And, and all the Malchus comes from her. Don't worry. When the time comes, he could, Hashem could bring, I'm not from Midian, we don't really want to come from Midian at this point. But yeah, don't worry about it. If you feel... You have to feel good about yourself. There's one girl, or Nornava, she's having a problem with Shiduchim because her resume is really not good. There's all kinds of stuff. And she went to the Shachin, and I don't know, some Shachanim are cuckoo. And she went to the Shachin, and she's really a nice kid. She's really special. But the resume is like the worst. And she comes to the Shachin, and she, she, gives, it to the, she gives the resume. And this is what she told me. I don't know if it's true, but this is what she told me. The Shachin said, Whew. You have a lot of baggage. Why would a shachan tell that to a girl? I don't know. But that's what she told her. She goes, I, I don't really have guys like that. <sighs> Poor kid. She comes in. She wants to get married. Like, you you got baggage. And I don't know if I have guys like that. But this kid is a Brooklyn kid. You know what she told the shachan? She says, you're right. I have baggage. You tell the boy that you're ready to, I have baggage. But it's Louis Vuitton. <laughs> True story. We're all Louis Vuitton. We're a lot more than Louis Vuitton. She gives you clarity. She gives you inner simcha. She gives you health. He should give you the most precious thing that God could give anyone. Time. I apologize that we left Russ up in the air. But we'll try We'll try to get there, Mitzvah Rabba. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.